Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Right hey. We're back. I haven't We're heard back. that in a long time. We're back. We haven't been awesome. together in a long time. It's been... It's, I don't know what. It's summer makes everybody crazy. Now Hi, the, Chuck. This, you like that light? The light you like that, that's in your eye? Like put that light right in your eye? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. No. We're in. Let so me explain where you. we are. We're in the new Aloe House recording studio. Mike built it. It's amazing. It's but, beautiful in here. But I got to say, the lighting is like crazy. <laughs> like, can't you push the lights? I already adjusted all the lights around me to make them go Just adjust away. them the Why way you want Why does it have to them? be so bright in here? I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> well, replace these bulbs yeah. with like half the wattage. Uh, maybe maybe blue bulbs. Blue okay. bulbs. Yeah, you're getting reflection on your glasses. That's what oh, I'm that, that one's like... Pointed them yeah, right point at me, it, didn't I? Well, point it, uh, point it. Yeah, you're going. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking through the glass window. It's, it's a, the real recording huh. studio that we What built. the fuck is with the lighting? I, I, dude, I told you. It's your studio. There, that's there. much wow. better. Right, sorry, man. Oh, my God. Yay. How about you? Are you well, guys that's, okay that's, now? <laughs> I that's riveting mine. podcast stuff but, right there. So it's a great recording studio, 24-track studio that Mike's built in the Aloe House in Silver Lake. And but the lighting is awful, so <laughs> I don't know if you'll be able to record in here. I think I would record by the light of incense. You know, you realize that recording studios cannot have dimmers. Oh, because it makes the sound go. It does something. I don't know. Yeah. But it's anyways. We haven't been around together as a team, the three of us, in like a month and a half or something. And I've just got to start right away with Chuck. Chrissy and I follow Chuck's <laughs> wife on Instagram, and we're seeing all these fabulous things they're doing all summer. And we can't afford to do those things. And we're like, how the fuck are they at Gray Wolf that costs like five hundred dollars a night? How yeah. were you, how did you go there? Uh, she went. Oh, you weren't there? No, I didn't go. Who took the pictures? Um, her friend Michelle. <laughs> her and her friend you Michelle. Get, you didn't get to go to your family no. vacation? <laughs> no, it was one night. They went for one night. It's like 500 bucks, isn't no, it? No, it was like 200 and they split it. Her no, and Michelle. I've tried yeah. to go there. No, they, they. it was a weekday. Oh. And it was like 200 something and they split it. And because Michelle has two kids, Michelle went and she How brought How big are bug. the rooms? Oh, the the kids go on bunk beds, and her and Michelle shared the. Oh my God! Other. So it's not. So it wasn't because I thought you had gotten a raise, or you're opening your own treatment center. Oh, I didn't my. know what the hell. No. How is Chuck going to a five hundred dollar a night <laughs> resort? It's all your money that you're yeah. making here at Don't Die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have yet. I, I'm stacking those checks for my retirement. I want to go there. Did Bug like it? Was it the greatest? Yeah, he had a great time. We always want to go there, and then you get on that website, and it's like $578 you know for a uh, fucking room. No way. Am I, even if I had the money to pay that, I wouldn't pay it. I'll investigate you, Bob, it. I, got, uh, I will put money on the fact that you will go to the Great Wolf Wall. <laughs> I want to. Can you, but here's the thing. I've tried junkie moves about it. For you that don't know, there's this great water park resort with this hotel in orange county the water park is the most amazing water park and they don't allow you just to go to the water park i've tried right. no. i've tried and i've tried to sneak in but <laughs> i you know nothing no i have a real complex about the gray wolf place i've i've wanted to go for a long time but when she said she was going to go with her friend i was like oh that sounds okay good and I just, I, I took a night but off. But did Bug I, lose his mind? Bug had a great time. But it was to the point where she said she would rather 
get the room with someone else, play during the day, go home and sleep, and go back the next morning. Oh, wow. Is that what they did? the room wasn't that comfortable. Uh, so that's what they did? No, that she said that's what she's going to so do. So you're next not time. you're not you're not endorsing the no the totally type. endorsing. Oh, Mike, I know what Mike's trying to do. Mike's been working with Alexis Haynes, my partner's wife, and oh. she knows how to work these things. So if well, we start talking up Grey Wolf, good. do you think that we could get one night stay, Mike? I have no idea, but I I've wanted to go to the Grey Wolf since Elvis was like three years old. <laughs> that's like eight years. Things well, done, Bob. When they were building it, I used to go I up and down that. Harbor all the time to, to go to work. Yeah. And I watched them build it. And it was just like, I wanted to go since they opened it. And when she said she was going, I pretended not to be sad. But the idea <laughs> that she's going with someone else with money, that it's going to cut the cost in half and Bug is going to make memories. Because it was in that time, that week. That after- must have been a special, I don't even think weekdays. Weekdays in summer, which is when I can go. Weekdays in summer are not $200, Chuck. I've I've been on their website like eleven times trying to get maybe it. maybe she didn't tell me the truth so it wouldn't hurt so bad I don't know it is not it's five hundred dollars a night yeah it really but is. there's ways around it there's always ways around it if you want to look there's always Groupons there's always specials there's always people that know people there's always a way I mean it's like anybody that pays full price to go to anything is like. I feel like a sucker fish anytime. Like I went to go see Brian Ferry. I went to go see Elvis Costello with, with Blondie. I, I was to, at Elvis went, Costello with Blondie. Oh, the next night. You went the next, and I paid full price for all that stuff, and I felt like a sucker every time I paid. Full oh no, price I to paid full see. price for. Both. <laughs> I'll bet you can get some good tickets on Morrissey right now. <laughs> Why is that? Because it's not selling at all. Is it not selling? I'll go again. I saw him at last time at the Bowl. It, no, they, he, they're worried he was that he's phenomenal. They're worried because of his. his you know his political standing that he's not um gonna sell some tickets he's what's his political stance now well he's he hates know, he, everyone no he's that, very, that seems very popular right now right. seems like we've all caught up to morrissey he hates everybody <laughs> and now everybody hates everybody it's, it's a morrissey <laughs> world that we live in <laughs> only we eat meat bob i can't believe you have not uh stayed up on that he is um very much um a right he's a right winger right wing yes. oh i didn't know that but a British well, right wing is different than an American. It right is, wing. and he's you know really not he really. Just it's all anti-immigration it. and all that. It's the same he, fundamentals. He's very much into his country. He's a very you know what. Here's the interesting thing that uh, uh, Evan pointed out to me. There are no um, uh, organizations of color that are conservative. Like there's not, you know what I mean? There's not like a black conservative government in England. There's not a black conservative uh, supporters here in the United States. Like Trump is white, all his Kanye. Uh, Kanye, <laughs> Kanye's got he's, his own. He's all of his black supporters. <laughs> Kanye is all of the black supporters. I but think. I mean, it's a really, it's a, it's it always has a tinge of racism in the good old days of 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 apartheid and and Jim Crow. <laughs> the good and, old days of apartheid and, and repression and, repression. and segregation. It and it plays on that now with the oh the Mexicans are the worst the people I've been. I just cannot believe that you can know an immigrant in Los Angeles who are the hardest workers in Los Angeles. And I've worked in restaurant kitchens with them. I've, I've worked on job sites with them side by side when I got sober. They're the hardest workers. Mm-hmm. How is it that white people somehow have been convinced that they're lazy? 
you know, do they b- not believe their own lion eyes or whatever it's you called? Know, did you, have you seen the new Chappelle, The Sticks and yes, Stones? Yes, I watched it. Oh, I watched it one and a half times. It's so good. Uh, I, I had to watch it with Amy for a second time just because she didn't watch it, and I didn't know if she'd be into it, but I watched it, and it was so good I had to watch it again. And when he talks about the only difference between poor whites and poor blacks is that whites think they shouldn't be. <laughs> You know, and it's just like, that's that's the big difference is that when white people have it rough, they're like, this isn't supposed to happen to me. Instead of just accepting this is my situation and how do I work through it, every time I've ever worked with Hispanic people, whether they've been from Honduras, Belize, Nicaragua, Guatemala, uh, Mexico, I've learned a lot of good words in Spanish that get me in trouble, but... Uh, I've those guys work their asses off. Hardest they show workers. up every day. It doesn't matter. They'll, they'll look a little bit sad and they'll go, "What happened?" And it's like their world can be upside down, but they're at work. Most white folks I know, their dog gets sick and they're going to miss a week. Oh, I know. So, well, but the but all of the all of this plays into the opioid crisis. Is a the reason why this podcast exists is because of a white phenomenon, which is the opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. It was all white people. And all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, whites. <laughs> heroin addicted whites, Dave Chappelle picks it up. Rick, Chris Rock picked it up like uh, 10 years ago. The, the black comedians are able to see us whites for clearly who we are. Exactly and the all same. Of a sudden, and, and, and Chappelle says, yeah, well, like when it was a crack epidemic, it's all black people. They got to go to prison. They're zombies. We got to put them in prison. When it's white people, it's like, oh, the poor addicts. It's a That's disease. A, it's a disease. And the drug companies did this to them. Yeah. So the, the drugs permeate every kind of thing. And it's a big part of Chappelle's new thing. But what I was also going to talk about is Kids Bop. I was at Kids Bop uh, night before cool. last. Right. Wow. I don't know how cool it is. But um, not very. <laughs> Why not? They it, don't. Kids play, don't care. They're not playing, and sometimes I think they're lip syncing. Oh, it's not even a. So they well, don't. Well, even they're. A, I was. I was trying to spot like the, some of the singing was definitely right. on a dat. So but I have, then they were also singing along with the dat. But I have a question. Who whose idea was the kids bop thing? Sydney Your, loves. Kids Sydney bop. loves kids. Yeah, no, Elvis Kid, went, Kid Elvis it. was pouting and didn't want to go, and I said, listen to me. He goes, I really don't want to go, Dad. And I go, tough, you're going. And and I said, and if, Way I, to don't, go, Dad. And if I don't hear any complaints out of you, you will be rewarded. Not a complaint out of him. I think he kind of liked some of it. He doesn't want to admit it he at nine years go. old. There's loud music, there's lights, there's lots of people, everybody's having fun. If but why would you have it at a place like Five Points if it's not a concert? Well, here's let me explain to the Orange County. You know my problems with Orange County; they're well documented. Oh yeah. So, so you know how theaters, <laughs> you know how theaters change their names, like because somebody else is sponsoring it. So, me, Mister Know It All, Chrissy's like, uh, you know, we should leave now. I go, no, I know, I know where it is. It's not a big deal. I know how to get there. <laughs> you know, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, so because I was watching something, I didn't want to. Leave. I smell trouble already. <laughs> trouble <Yep>. happened. <laughs> So then I'm going, and she says, you're going the wrong way. I go, I know. I've played this place before, Chrissy. Oh, no. Trust me, I know <laughs> no. where I'm going. I thought I was no. going to Irvine Meadows. Yep. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> right. They demolished it about four years ago. It's rubble. So we're driving uh, around. I played here in I the think, 90s. Where I think <laughs> <laughs> the place is. It looks more like like, Lion Country Safari again now. But it's also (laughs) like an industrial park, too. There's the backside of it. 
because of course I took the shortcut, the rock star back entrance to her. Well done. <laughs> well played. Well played, Bob. <laughs> Finally, she goes, this is where the place we're going is. This is where we are on her phone. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh my God, that's like a new place. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, and it, it's, it's bleachers. We were and, like 15 uh, miles away. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, whole no. time she kept saying, you're going away from where we're going. I'm like, I played there. Will Don't you listen to listen, me? Listen, woman, <laughs> with your fancy interweb and your phone. Don't tell me. Apparently, the, the uh, Irvine Meadows, then, then it got called something else. It was, right? it was Verizon Amphitheater. Yeah, see, wouldn't Verizon it seem like Verizon Amphitheater <laughs> in a modern world evolves to Five Points Amphitheater? <laughs> like wouldn't it, it seem like that? Except it's not even an amphitheater. <laughs> it's, it's just bleachers and a stage out in the middle of a field. Anyways, we found it. We got there right as the kids' bop was going on. But it was, I, you know, I don't know that we're not a society that is just wholly lost, that our children are are entertained every second by this, I don't know, by this, I don't know, I don't know. There's something wrong with YouTube and all this, all this. I got to say, it's these are the the things that I think were going on in the Roman Empire at the end Uh-oh, of the Roman when things Empire. got crazy. Well, I have, have a different whole take on that altogether it's all nothingness. because it's all I nothingness. taught my youngest to ride a bike. Yeah, and see, that's she is real. Off, and she wants uh-huh. to go everywhere on that a bike. Is real. She put her phone. She said, "I don't even. We need my phone, Dad." I'm like, "Yeah, that's right. You don't need your phone." And we got our bike. Can't be on we, your phone when you're riding a bike. And we went all well, over the I place. Can. Every can. bike trail you can imagine. <laughs> that's fantastic. I love that stuff. My Amy takes Bug down the river trail to my work, so he puts. It's. I think it's. But here's, here's, but here's the it's point fantastic. I'm trying to make. So why technology and, and this kids bop and all this nonsense is replacing real play, like bike riding, um, you know, we used to go swim in the lakes around my house. All the kid, things that kids do is now somehow parents have to do it with them. Oh, you know them. what I mean? Ouch, that hurt. <laughs> why Why is that? Why, like, I can't well, remember my dad riding okay. bikes with me. Okay, here's why. <laughs> here's why, Bob. Because we live in a society where they can't go out by themselves because somebody may stop in a car and throw them in the car. Well, you know, I don't know if that's true. Uh, I think f- we all think that. A friend of, uh. a friend of ours that uh, was telling me that... Um, Statistically, you were less likely to be abducted 30 years ago, but the news, per capita, that sort of thing, and it was usually someone that they knew, and that it, this is a very intelligent man, and, it, and, and he was like, it, statistically, you were a lot more likely to be picked up back then than you are now, but we hear about it, we see about it, there's Amber Alerts, we know about everything going wrong. Oh, you so mean when the population a, was is, only there, like uh, no, one and but, a half million, but it was now per, it's it like was per, seven. No, I'm talking about it in, was this, per people. in the 60s and 70s. Listen, it, you don't think, like when I was riding my bike around, creepy dudes tried to talk to me? I knew what to do. I was 13, like, fuck you, get away from me, you pervert. Like, what happened to instilling independence and... And weapons and, and vigor into children. You I know was, what I, mean? I was. They always as, have as to. Young, everything's collaborated with parents. As a young man, I was coaxed into a car in a Sunset Beach. Oh, that explains by, everything, uh, doesn't by, it? But no, listen. <laughs> by a transsexual 
She oh. looked exactly like a older woman. How how old were you? I was probably fifteen. Okay, and this is then you were old enough to know better, son. I was didn't matter. I just wanted. You I know never what I wanted. told them? Don't get in the car with a gal like that. At fifteen, I knew everything. Though at fifteen, I, w- I, w- I thought I knew everything there was to know about life. I was smart enough to take my dad on head to head and tell him I was ready to face the world. Yeah. At 15, yeah. Right. right. Well, I mean, I'm talking about earlier than that. So this, it's, it's technology is keeping them from riding bikes and being outside and swimming in lakes and going to the neighbor's house. And, and the fear that's instilled in all of us through media. What is that sound? Oh, I'm Wind sorry. Chimes? That's me uh, stirring my coffee, making oh, my new God. coffee machine. It's atmospheric. So, yeah, yeah, the studio's got coffee oh, and a refrigerator and air conditioning. Yes. Mike's never going to leave here. I've oh. never felt like such a rock star. So, so, but I'm telling you, I'm t- I, I don't know. I don't know because Sydney started preschool and it seems just like the same thing as when Elvis was in preschool. It's all parent collaboration and your parent play <laughs> dates and you organize supervised playing and like what ha- like I don't remember my parents being around me from the time I was I had my older sister would babysit me like when she was probably 15 I was five or six four or five but I but I I remember distinctly third grade like riding my bike home from school mm-hmm like what like are we to are and we, from school have Every, we really designed yeah. now get this Mike uh, children are murdered in their school about every month in the United States at some part of the United States, oh, sometimes twice a month, guns, right? Yeah. No, I'm not talking about guns. I, I don't want to outlaw guns. I want to I outlaw school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I think school is the biggest waste of time in the world right now. <laughs> right? Well, we don't let them ride their bikes because they might be kidnapped by a pervert. Why should we let them go to school where they could be murdered by a classmate? When does the you, fear you, okay, you when does the fear listen. stop raining is what I want to know. We can have Good this point. conversation when Sydney gets about twelve. No, no years we're leaving old. this country. We've already decided. As oh, as, so we're not going to have this conversation yeah, when she's no. I'm, I, if this, I, uh, let me predict it right here. Trump will be reelected. I don't know what you guys are thinking. Trump will get a I second don't, term. I don't think about him much. Let's bet a hundred bucks. Why? Why would I? I, I, I don't. I don't. I, I think, think you're he's, right. He's going to do it. You think he's going to be reelected I think he's going to do it because I'm watching what's happening I on do. the left and nobody's got their shit together to be able to put yeah, up. Yeah, so Trump's going to get four more four more years, four more years of you got you got two more seats on the Supreme Court. That'll be six. It's game set match. Now, you know, I I just don't want to live as the poor get poorer. Bob, this is happening all over the world, though. Not in Bali, it's not. South Africa are rioting. Africa, Jesus, okay, well, it's why happening don't you in France. It's happening in England. It's I'm happening not moving everywhere. to France. It's too expensive. I'm moving to Bali. <laughs> You're not hearing. He's going to an island. I'm just Where saying that it's cool. not you just hungry, here. You it's fish fucking, out of the ocean. not just here. It's everywhere. It's worldwide. Mm, There are Marcones everywhere. Do you ever watch the show 90 Day Fiance the other way? Yes, I do. Did you see the couple when she's in uh, South Africa? Yes. Yes, and the guy steals her money. (laughs) Right? That guy? Yeah. Yes. He's a gambling addict. Yeah, he's a gambling addict. Maybe we should help him. Should we scholarship him? I think we should. (laughs) The, the, The nicer apartment complexes in the nice part of town have electric wire all around their fencing. Yeah. 
And that's how Brazil and, sounds. And they nice. go, and they go. The lady's showing them the houses, and she's going, "This is one of the nicest places." And if anybody gets in, if you yell loud enough, your neighbors will be able to come and help you. And it's like one of the nicer places. And she's like going, she's freaking out. But I mean, when I see the other places that people are going to, man, India, I mean, we got it really, really good here. Brazil's going through the same thing. Uh, Okay. The hot spots are where there's extreme capitalism. So you have to go where there is not extreme capitalism because there's not those problems, right? There is immigration problems. The EU things are all based on immigration. Who caused the immigration problem? Working for cheap The United labor. States of America invading and destabilizing the Middle East created all the immigration problems from Syria, from Iraq, from oh, Afghanistan. I thought you were talking about here. No, that's why the EU is splitting up. That's why there's so much conservative government in, the, in Europe, because of the war without end that we've started there. And all of a sudden, it's Americans like, oh, we're not like we're not at war. We devastated and gutted the Middle East like a fish, and then everybody's spreading all. It's anywhere they can run to not get blown to bits. So okay. what I'm saying is, get back to my life. I don't want. <laughs> I don't I'm want. Sorry, my, I don't want it. my children going to these schools. I don't. I, I know there's good ones and whatever. I don't think. I don't. I don't think that they're learning anything. I think they're being habituated into mediocrity. I, I, I just don't know what I think anymore. And so I've talked with a bunch of friends, and there's this new thing called unschooling. Have you heard of this? No. Where, where up until the 1940s, you basically learned everything at home in America, unless you lived in New York City, Boston. I mean, Los Angeles was a, a, you know, a dust town. You know what I mean? So... People learned at home. There's a natural ability, a natural curiosity that you have. Meaning, Sydney has it. I see her. She asks how to spell something. How do you spell it? Show it to me. Show it to me. No teachers prodding her along, testing her, trying to get her to pass a test to become mediocre and work at Walmart. That's all the education system does. Or sell you higher education for $250,000 and you're going to work for $43,000 in the mailroom of some company and it'll take you 10 years to pay your loan back and you'll live in poverty. That's our education system. Yeah, got, It is. We were just talking to my, one of my brother-in-laws, four years of college, is a limo driver in Vegas. <laughs> and it's like, and, I don't, and I'm not knocking it because he likes the work. But he didn't have to go through, this is what we're taught. We're taught if you do school and you do well in school and you follow the rules, then you go to this bigger school and then you go to this bigger school and then you're going to make a lot of money. You'll be successful. James Madison, who was the writer of the Bill of Rights, I don't know if you're familiar with this this guy, he had the greatest quote about authority. And, you know, of course, now all the authorities quote him as this great authority. But his motto... Um, was to question authority. Let me let me just read it to you. His motto is "Vetris non verbe registri." It means "Think for yourself. Think for yourself." The correct translation is "Truth, not the word of teachers." Ooh. That's James Madison, the the second t- pillar of the United States Constitution and Bill of Rights. Right. This is this is not a new struggle that we're in. Yeah, it's not a new struggle, but it every but more and more people believe in the system. Right. So crazy. <laughs> trust trust the system. 
<laughs> we'll right? take care of you from cradle so to So anyways, grave. that's what I'm going through. And, and uh, you know, I was thinking we're going to wind down Don't Die until the last four weeks. Fentanyl has hit Los Angeles, ladies and gentlemen. The fentanyl mm. overdose rate in August was its highest that it's ever been in Los Angeles. There's been two fentanyl um, disasters over the weekend, this weekend in the beginning of September. One at Union Station. Okay. They've closed Union Station, the train station, because uh, a guy was arrested with un- with a high, whatever, high uncut fentanyl in his backpack. Walking around with, in his backpack, like an ounce right. of pure fentanyl. Two of the officers were intoxicated from taking it out of the backpack and were hospitalized, hmm. right? So that if that's not bad enough, in North Hollywood, there was a guy pulled over in a car. He had fentanyl in it. He acted irrationally. He had a gun and whatever, and they subdued him. Then they searched the car like when there's a gun, you know, like on the mm-hmm. news when you see a car chase. They find fentanyl. They a hazmat. They close Lancashire Boulevard <laughs> down. So, so well, I, something I <laughs> that L.A. had dodged. I think Orange County had gotten it about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Something that Los Angeles County had dodged is now here. You're going to see the death rate just skyrocket. Oh man, it it's so. I, I was talking to a guy this morning, who <clears throat> I had also three clients in the last month have told me their drug of choice is fentanyl on, upon this, admission. This is this is what this is what's crazy about this guy. Is he's a real one. He's been uh, homeless for ten years, and homeless by choice because he wants to do drugs and doesn't want to deal with anything else. My kind of guy. I know. So I'm like going, this is my guy. This, let's talk. Let's talk. And he goes, you know what? The the thing is, is if you overdose twice in a short period of time, you build tolerance a tolerance to it. <laughs> And then it's got legs, and then you only have to shoot it about every twelve to six, twelve to eighteen hours. And he goes, and you can function. And I said, so what? What are you telling me? I had to. I'm processing, and I'm going, okay. So in his brain, it makes sense to overdose, be narcan, overdose, overdose again, again, be, be narcan, because then it's got legs. I just think that the addict population has never been too bright, right? I mean, I'm. Well, I, like the three of us are, we're the smartest are, people the in the world it says so in the big book <laughs> no, i think we're the coolest people in the world <laughs> but i don't know about smartest but but let me tell you it's it's come it's here what it means when they're getting pulled over in north hollywood when they're getting backpacks of it at union station that means that every piece of dope in Los Angeles is going to have fentanyl in it, well, just yeah. like in Milwaukee and Ohio and West Virginia. Right. It's here now. Well, and... why shouldn't we get the good stuff? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I had a... Well, we've been left had, out anyways. It would have killed you. I had a client do not <laughs> even a line of right. something that was supposed to be synthetic benzodiazepine and... It was fentanyl. overdosed and had to be ER'd and all well, that. Mac on, Miller, on, on a small amount, when he showed me on his uh, how much it was on his finger, it was such a small amount. He said, "Let me just see what it's about." Well, the Mac Miller trial is today. I don't know what happened, but they're prosecuting this 28-year-old kid from Laurel Canyon who sold him what. Now, here's another thing: when when 
uh, now you expected that what 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 drug dealers in my day did, what Frenchie did, what you know, uh, John, the big drug dealer, to all of us, what they did, they always told you it was much stronger than it actually was. Yeah, they mm-hmm. cut it. That, yeah, but they would always hype you like, dude, be careful when you go home with this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, <laughs> be careful is something you just don't hear anymore. You don't hear no, but this kid who sold Mac Miller the fentanyl he died on sold it to him, told him it was oxycontin. Mm. Like what kind of So it was pressed pills? So then this is listen how dumb this kid is. So then Mac Miller dies. He knows he's the one that sold it to him. He texts a friend, I'm gonna probably go to jail for life. Well, now mm. yeah, now you just admitted that you sold it to him when they confiscate your phone, yep. <laughs> your text messages, because they were, you know, it was one of those text messages, hey, you want me to come by? Yeah, come by and bring a, b- a bunch of stuff. I want to talk to you. Like, to, you know how drug dealers talk to clients, right? It's kind of disguised in the conversation. But then he texts his friend moments after the Mac Miller death comes out that he's probably going to go to jail for life. <laughs> <And> Brilliant. <laughs> Genius. These people are so stupid. Yep. I mean, we weren't that stupid. Yeah, that's another Chappelle thing. Give your lawyers something to work with. Don't be an idiot. It's oh so God. crazy. So I think that, unfortunately, I think fentanyl, it took, you know, how long has the fentanyl thing been going on? Five or six years? It's it's like t- this guy that I was talking to was in Florida, and for 10 years it's been the go-to. And he said it saved his life that he's only alive because of fentanyl because it got him off crack. <laughs> And I was like, I love this guy. Can I get 10 more of these? Because these guys are going to put in some work. How about the fact that in Mac Miller's uh, autopsy, he had high doses of cocaine. He still died from the fentanyl. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's bad cocaine. Oh, God. No, I'm telling you. There's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of sad moms in Los Angeles. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it, we you know I know we have a gallows humor about it, but I mean when I when I'm at when I've got two funerals in the last in the time we've been apart of people that were fentanyl, uh, don't know on one of them one of them absolutely was. So it's like those things are. I mean, it's a rough rough time, and it's uh, it is almost back to. I feel like we move forward so much, but it's almost back to if you're using. Make sure there's someone with you. It's almost back to that. Make sure there's Narcan. People are at the needle exchanges. People are giving out Narcan. This other guy said that he grabbed four Narcans from. We, the, just, from, we just had an event last week. Mark. We had an event last week. Yeah, the, we the episode's coming out tomorrow. It's a great. It's actually a great episode. We gave Bob. out a bunch of Narcan in gave, the park. Gave out free. Yeah. Oh, Narcan the baseball needle. player from the Angels died of fentanyl yeah. too. Um, I mean, and he he wasn't dumb, and he wasn't a street person. He wasn't crazy. He wasn't a trauma person. He was somebody who got caught there's up the same of, way. Yeah, but there's a lack of sophistication about drugs. That's what it is. So the kids I've been talking to, they don't think I, you know, I try not to be a preachy person, but I'm like, fentanyl, oh, you know, that doesn't sound like the smartest move because no one's regulating and drug dealers lie to you. Mm-hmm. Like you got to take into uh, account the the facts that are going on. If the drug dealers are saying it's oxycontin and it's fentanyl, how can I mean I'd be scared shitless if I was a using addict right now. I would be scared shitless, and these kids are so fucking confident, right? I, that's probably part of the reason they're going off the cliff, like, like lemmings. 
I'm wondering because, like, when I was a junkie, I had a cavalier attitude about dying. Is it something that nobody understands except Here's another it. junkie? No, no, I'm asking you seriously. No, I'm you asking, think? but I'm I'm saying I was there when you were this cavalier junkie. Yeah, who cared I, if we died? Who cared? I, I would care I if didn't you died. Really care. Well, I didn't well, really I got I got news for you. I think that's a lie that you tell yourself. But then, why did you keep writing songs? Because I liked writing songs. Okay, these kids and don't like write songs. Dope. Hold on. <clears throat> these kids don't write songs. They don't have ambition. Right. They don't have what we had, which I didn't want to die because I had a cool girlfriend, I had a cool place to live, and I was playing music, and I was having fun. But I, I liked being fucked up. Right. That's, there's difference. There's, my, my, you, I think you lie about yourself, Mike, because you, you don't know how to explain yourself. Um, I think for one thing, you always felt insecure that Texan the Horses was really Jeffrey's band. It was your fucking band. You fucking play guitar. You wrote those songs. <laughs> I never thought it was Jeffrey's band, and he never. He well, never, why did he you never not take? It. Why <laughs> did you not take Texan the Horses? No, but why did you not take it more seriously? Because you're one of the greatest songwriters I've ever known. Why did you not take your band more seriously? I, you know, it just didn't matter to me. It didn't matter to me. Why? Well, what is that the root of that? I could move that? on. I mean, you know, and. Wait, wait, wait. You could move on. He was going to move on. No, I don't. And I don't want to say anything ill about Tex. I love her. I, I understand. But but I'm trying to say about the concerts that I even I even produced Tex and the Horsehead concerts. And there were like oh. Mike and Smog would be there and they'd be having a few drinks and they'd be fine. And then they'd see Tex was out of it. And then Mike would just start guzzling whiskey. Well, there was something that went on between the three of you. That I think you wanted to take it serious, but if she wasn't going to take it serious, then Listen, you weren't going to take it serious. You know this as well as I, Bob, that when you have a band that allows you to get as fucked up as you possibly can and they celebrate that, like you, like they celebrated the Thelonious Monster, they celebrated Tex and the Horseheads, they celebrated drunken, inebriated fucking musicians in the 80s. Yeah, but we at least, you know, we, we had for, fun But wait doing a minute, it. you so were in both what bands. What a fucking paradise. You were in both bands. The longest I ever saw Texan Lawrence at show was like about 40 minutes. Thelonious Monster played for two hours. Has it ever <laughs> dawned on you that I went, oh, here's another fucked up band I can be in. It's all fucked up, man. This is great. I move from this fucked up band to this other fucked up band. But was Thelonious less fucked up? I'm saying that I think that you're not seeing the new addicts the way they are. Mike Mart, it never dawned on me like Mike Mart wants to die. I, I just thought Mike Mart is crazy and goes to the, with his, with his toes on the edge of oblivion. But I always thought he loves writing songs. He loves being in bands. He loves, he loves playing music. There is love in your life. And you keep trying to see these people through the prism of you and you can't because they have nothing that they love. Right. Can I, can I, uh, there's the, on the, on the clinical Let's side of Chuck, why he plays me uh, on the clinical side of that. It, the, what we look for is we, we do these surveys. Do you do any of these? Uh, I've been out of clinical for okay. 10 years. So anyway, we do these surveys, and when they come back that someone may be suicidal, we look for future-focused. We look to see if there's any future focus, which is what you had in, that, in both of those bands. You were future-focused. There was stuff you wanted to do. If there's no future focus on what's going to happen next or who they're going to talk to or where they're going to go or what they're going to do or that they enjoy anything, then the idea of the suicidal ideation is taken a lot more seriously. Oh. So you were future focused even though you were toes on the edge of oblivion because there was stuff you wanted to do. Even if it was different band, different thing, there was stuff you wanted to do. And I think where Bob, I don't, I'm not going to speak for him, but they don't have that. 
They don't. There's not a future focus of what they want to do next or how they want to they do it. They want to get what they want before they make a plan to, to achieve anything. So it, it's, it's a whole different paradigm. And the parents and, play into that. The parents maybe, are ridiculous. Maybe they need another fucked up musician to look up at to. There's Matt, plenty. You know? Where? There's, there's They're all dead. You know, you know Kurt who, Cobain was the last one. Which fucked up musician? Max Miller. He just died. <laughs> well, I mean, but yeah, but was it out in the open? Little Peep. Little Peep, was Mac it out Miller. In the open? Was it where they? Yeah, they were celebrating getting high. Little Peep, Mac Miller. What's the other rapper kid that says I want to die like a rock star? But Brown something. He he has a great song called "I Want to Die Like a Rock Star." This rapper. I mean, we had Keith Richards. We had all these like we, you know Sid Vicious. We were we watching Live PD the other night, and this girl gets pulled over, and she's got EXO till we overdose. And she What's goes, the "XO to you overdose, love and kisses until till we overdose," and he, she said that that was a, a, a the Mac weekend. Oh, the weekend, the weekend. right? That, that, that's I mean, and he's alive and he's doing that and that, that whole. She goes, "Well, that's yeah." Just he's got kind the cocaine song where he's, I, I can't feel, feel my face. face. <laughs> X, X, yeah, there's drug, there's drug music, Mike. You're just not up on it. <laughs> all right, okay. Yeah, and there, there's all that exactly great right. folk punk that that Pat the Bunny did. Uh, there was the Ramshackle something or another that he was a. A part of there, there was, there's a lot of it out there's there. A lot of people getting wasted and celebrating it, but the but I'm talking about but but there's something wrong with the people that I'm meeting that they don't have like if you ask a typical addict population and treatment that we're talking about, ask them like what do you want? Where do you want to live? What do mm-hmm. you want to do? They have no idea. I've never not until the last ten years had I ever met somebody who didn't know what they wanted. Right. Where, where do you want to live when you're done with treatment? Yeah. What do you want to do? I don't know. This is pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, Bugs Bunny? You just live wherever <laughs> you pop up. You pop out of a hole in the ground and go, oh, I should have taken a left turn at Albuquerque. I'll stay here. But I do think it's rescuing and, and, and the rescuing never ends. It starts at two and it just goes till they're 32. Right. And the parents need to back the fuck off. Right. That's really the truth. That's a, the uh, anything I could say to any parent out there who's got an addict who's gone to a bunch of treatments and won't get help and you're scared he's going to die. Back off. It doesn't mean you don't love them. You know, it, it, you can you can kick someone out of your house and that can be a very loving act, right? Mm-hmm. It's true. It's hard. It's hard. You know, and with no preamble, with you know, I suggest you kind of have some boundaries beforehand until you and conditions, and say, if, listen, if, unless you can get your shit together within six months or by after the end of the first of the year, you're going to have to move out of here, and be serious about it. Instead of this, it's just Groundhog's Day every day with these parents. I'm dealing right. with the same parents I was dealing with seven years ago, the same parents. Well, it's it's funny because if you get someone that's a little bit older, like when I talk to the people that are forty. They go, why would anybody want to do the fentanyl? And it's just like, well, Mike seems to understand why. They but, would. but when you, when you <laughs> drop logical to me, it gets <laughs> you higher when, than anything else. It, it, so I, you but know, I when mean, you I'm, drop to thirty, it goes. I wouldn't even do heroin again, but the, because it's not about. It's just a totally different. It's a totally. They're not chasing a dragon. They're just checking out, checking out, rolling the dice. And when when we have these groups where it's just like when people come back to treatment, they go, I'm so glad you're back. And I had a client telling his buddy, I'm so glad you're back and you didn't die because every time we do that shit, it's a 50-50 chance. And they know it. And and I go, did you hear what you just said? Yeah, I know. 
Every I'm time I do think, it, it's a I'm 50-50 trying to think, chance. You know, Top Jimmy was such a mentor to me. I'm trying to think of who, after I went to my first rehab and I started doing drugs again. No, it was Ross, the guy from rehab that I did drugs with. He was like five years older than me. He was a banker guy. And I hadn't done drugs in eight or nine months. And I was doing it with him. And I went to, I said, I'll be right back. I'm just going to run and get, and get a point. And he was like, no, 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 you can't do that tonight. I think that's a, yeah. He just said something like, just snort it, right? Because it was mm-hmm. China White. And I was, because at that point in my life, I had not, uh, the, the thought of snorting heroin was really not a part of mine. That's cute. <laughs> this isn't a children's but party. He's the this one, is- like, you don't, and I remember him saying, you don't want to die. Like, you got to work your way back into this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And then Top Jimmy reiterated that, like, you know, because some, people that we knew had gone to rehab and then they were shooting drugs and they OD'd at our house and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you know, the person that I'm not going to say, he's still alive today, he's a very successful singer and rock band, hmm. but he had gone to 47? rehab. And then, and then he, he he did shot heroin the first time back out of rehab and he OD'd at my house. Then I was like, holy shit. And Top Jimmy's like, get some ice. <laughs> <laughs> You know? ice, ice was the thing that we used back ice then. Ice in the butt was always ice the, in the butt. But the idea, you know, it's it's funny because when I ice think about just it, down <clears throat> in the underwear, you just lift the underwear yeah. up. Yeah, I don't, I don't that. remember going in the ass. Well, <laughs> yeah, just maybe that was just what down. I like to do. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> yeah. That's a personal preference. Yeah. No, but Mike, I think right? So we <laughs> would just we <laughs> would just top Jimmy just opened pulled his underwear yeah, up you and just fill up the underwear. ice down in there. Fill that underwear right. See, me and Mike come from a different world. Entire pants. You guys are boring. Fill the entire pants, right? Yeah, as Fill much it. ice as you can. No get way, in there, man. No way. A big nobody's stick going up the back butt. there and fucking sticking. <laughs> I, nobody's sticking that's, ice cubes up somebody's Chuck, ass. Wait a minute, Mike. That's that's Chuck's ten years younger than us. Thinking what, the, what we the did with ice. Yeah. Yeah. There was no putting ice up the butt. No. If you could get a popsicle or a big stick and stick it up that butt, <laughs> <and> no. you, <laughs> you gotta be fucking you joking. Kidding. <laughs> You know, and the whole while you're Is that slapped. an Orange County thing, Bob? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think he's just, you've never done, you've never <laughs> no, put an ice cube up somebody's butt. No, but you, wait a minute. I got it. I got it. You've heard about us in the early 80s and the ice. So you assumed that it went up the butthole. No, no, no you just pour it in their no, underwear. No, it was in, in, people would put people in cold bathtubs. Yes, I did that. Cold showers. It works. Ice, you put it in the butt. <laughs> Oh, I want to put it in the butt. Nobody wants to touch anybody's butt. <laughs> well, you need you know, new friends then. Here was the process. It was ice in the fucking pants as much as you and can put slapping in the pants, their faces. And slapping them as right. hard as you possibly For endorphins. can. And getting them up and standing them but up. But so does putting a little bit of crystal, <laughs> put a little bit of meth on their tongue. Oh, well, yeah. Well, it's hard. Here's smog- the thing. I, you know, Chris Gates some... shot me up one time when I was oh, yeah, in Texas. I, I, but that's what I was going to say. Uh, this other singer that I, I'm talking about shot me up. when. I, but but you have to be an expert shooter. I wasn't that good. Like, it take it'd take me a long time to get a vein, <laughs> and I have rolly veins. You know, people, here's how you can spot somebody that doesn't know how to shoot trucks. I have rolly veins. <laughs> <laughs> is that even a thing? That's not even a thing. is a rolly vein? A square needle. Square needle in these rolly veins. But there are like surgeon, like expert drug shooters, mm-hmm. like my ex girlfriend and the singer I'm talking about. Like, they can do it. Like you can Eyes be dead, they the can dark. load up yep. coke in two seconds, find a vein, bring you back to life in fucking 
in a minute and nine, 90 seconds. I know those people. They shoot water yeah, when me, they're tapping I'm like, left. Me, I can't just do just that. Be <laughs> back at the bar. <laughs> they, just, they, just, they, just love, they just love the pinprick thing. Yeah, yeah no. And, and what, what's, you know, and I learned this with Hillel, too, is like he wasn't very good at it either. And so, you know, if he missed, we would be over at my girlfriend at the time, Aliki's house, and we'd be you know, trying you sharing one needle that you sharpened on a matchbook's Matchbook. cover, yeah, absolutely. Because these needles, you couldn't get a hold of them, and um, and if you missed with heroin, Hillel would always say, "Just rub it, just rub it, just rub it. <laughs> it's fine." Because you will get high if you miss with heroin. With coke, you will not get high. No, but you get a cool abscess. I've got some. Nice. I still got one right there. It's a good one. Nice. So did you ever like swear off needles and bend them and throw them away and then get them out of the trash? No, when Hillel died. <laughs> don't have to shoot up with a crooked needle. I tell this story all the so time. Many times. When Hillel died, I, said, I, I was with Rob Graves at Hillel's funeral and I said, I'm, I'm, never, I'm never shooting drugs ever again. And Rob said, right, yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm. And he was all cynical about said, it. Yeah, fuck you, watch And me. I didn't <laughs> for like four years right that's a pretty hard thing to stick to if you're a since you're 19 years old drug shooter and just the, you know hello was the first who's the second person i knew that died but the other person was crazy so when a crazy person dies of drugs you go well i'm not crazy oh, they're, 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 they're a little crazy <laughs> when a normal person dies of drugs you're like god that could happen to me mm-hmm. right that's the other thing that i notice about this new generation of fentanyl people uh, uh, overdose people when one of their friends dies they love listing how many people they know that have died oh, uh, when i think of halal or uh, all the people and rob like it's it's painful to think about and they just list them off like it's when you were in a rehab some people knew people that had died people knew people that had overdosed but it's not like in a room today where everybody puts a hand until up. I got sober. Everybody puts wait, their wait. Hand up. Until I got sober, and all the drug shooting I did from 1980 to 1996, and all the drug, my life was entirely engulfed in the flames of drugs for 16 years. I knew three close friends that had died. Right, three. For 16 years in 16 years. So every these five kids years. are 20 years old. Yeah. And they know 20 people that have died of, that, that were friends of theirs or they were in rehab with or they were in sober living with or that, that's their ex-girlfriend. 20 yeah. Yeah. at 22 years old. Yeah, that's a good, good point. So, I mean. so when you think about and, and that, you know, and I just think that I always wanted to make music. I always wanted to write songs. I always thought I was just one album away from stardom. There was like, you know what I mean? There was, there was something driving all of us. And Mike, you wrote... Way better songs than me. Most people have never heard them. Most people have never heard them. We've heard them. I've heard them. Your friends have heard them. The, and a part of writing a song is for your friends to hear it. That's like, there's two parts to music to me. It's like when you write a song and it's really good, you want your friends to hear it. You want your bandmates to hear it. You want your other songwriter friends to hear it. That's how I've always been. That's how... I put them on a cassette and give them away for yeah, Christmas. Yeah, give, give them to people and, and write. So there's that circle of friends thing like, I still got it. I still <laughs> got it. Hey, check right? this one. And check this one out and whatever. And And... I did that with other friends of mine that were singers. Like they would play their album once it was finished for me. We'd get together and sit and listen to it, usually in a car on a cassette, right? (laughs) I listened to uh, what's the Mother's Milk on a cassette in the parking lot of what is now 
uh, City Walk. It wasn't it wasn't there, but there was just a parking lot for Universal Studios, and I lived around the corner. And we were driving around, and then we sat in the parking lot and listened to it. I listened to Ritual over at Perry's house on Santa Monica Boulevard. Perry Farrell lived in a loft on Santa Monica Boulevard near Hoover. Yeah. Hmm. That's crazy when you think about it. And I listened to Ritual, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, just yeah. the sound of... Like, now, everything, you, you feel like, as a listener, you've just heard everything that could possibly be thought of, right? The last thing I think that was mind-blowing to me was, like, Wu-Tang Clan the the Woo Forever album. Like, what? He's using <laughs> Billie Holiday sample? Like, what? But but it was happening all the time in the 80s. You know what I mean? It was a very, very creative it time. Was, it was people mashing up things that had never been mashed before. Like, Jane's Addiction was like Lou Reed and Led Zeppelin. Who had ever put that together before? Decadence mm. and hard rock. No one. Not like they did. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, street level. Lana, Lana Del Rey has a great uh, cover of the Sublime song "Summertime" out right now. That's, well, it's good, man. But I mean, good, being you know, being I'm good and being it. a revolution—that's you know, when you've never heard something before. Yeah, that, see, that like that came before. So songwriting is that playing your record for your friends, playing it for the people that you know, playing it for your girlfriend, playing it for your mom. It's there's that circle of songwriting that drives songwriters. I think each other when you talk to Steve Earle about Towns Van Zant and playing a song for Towns and Towns if Towns liked it how much that meant to you right mm. or Guy Clark that Guy Clark said hey good song you know that Peter Case told me I wrote a good song it was like it was the most exciting thing in my life right then there's what the public thinks of it right but then there's an added thing that's really destructive which is how many people listen to it that's where music gets lost when it becomes commercialized right. and how many people. So if you get good feedback from your friends, you did it. Like if Ritual had never sold a record, Perry would, and Dave and Eric and Stephen would still have what we all thought of it. You well, know and, I mean? and they still would be sitting around going, we made this record. We made that fucking record. We made that, yeah. Right? And so, so then, you know, what the public, that the public likes it and you have a following, say, it used to be called a following. So if you had 100,000 people that liked you, that was good enough in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Right. But then comes the 90s and then comes multi-million sellers like Chili Peppers, Jane's Addiction, Sublime, Nirvana. And that just made everything yeah. about how many people listen to it. I liked it much better when the Meat Puppets were the most respected band in America. You know what I mean? He's the greatest songwriter. They are so cool to watch. Who cares <laughs> how many records they sell? You know what I mean? But... You know, well, yeah, the same thing with the Minutemen. Yeah. Minutemen, yeah. Oh my God, that that. Uh, I just saw Red Cross. That's the way I feel about them. I think. Did you see Melvin's too, or did you leave early? I, I was gonna go and leave early too, and then I thought, <laughs> oh, they'll be mad. <laughs> I just, I, I. Oh my God! I went to see a show the other night, and I wanted to leave, and then I knew that the guy saw me, and then I like, how do I leave? You can't leave if it's like your friend and you're wearing a hat and they know it. That's why I'm getting rid of the hat. <laughs> you know what I mean? You blend. <laughs> so do you take the hat off and sneak out? <laughs> we, 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 we thought we saw you at Brian Ferry. Amy was like, oh, I saw a guy in a suit and a hat. And I Just some guy. It was. At Elvis Costello. No, at Brian Ferry. 
No, but I was at Elvis Costello, and I was like, oh, he's doing the same old shit. I'm out of here. And he kept looking at me because I was like right up front. And I thought, oh, if I leave, he hates me already. He hates me, Elvis <laughs> Costello. I, I idolize the guy, and he hates me. Really? I don't know why. Because I'm a friend of Xander's? Possibly. I, I don't think, know. I think how I met Elvis Costello was from Xander. So that can't be a good intro, right? I don't know Xander on that level. <laughs> Mike, do you think? Do you think? I don't know. If you meet your idol, should it be with Xander? I'm not gonna say anything. Because because I was, it was right after the riots, and Xander did a record with Elvis Costello. So then El- Xander says, "You want to meet Elvis Costello?" I was like, "Is the sky blue? What are you fucking talking about?" <laughs> so we go to the Wilton Theater, and it was right after the riots, and I was wearing an LAPD hat, right, as a joke, uh-huh. like cynical, like whatever, making fun, like right, and. Elvis Costello gets introduced to me and he looks at me and he looks at the hat and he goes, is that supposed to be fucking funny? And I was oh, like, God. yeah, kind of. He goes, a lot, really? of pe- a lot of people lost their homes, didn't they? A lot of suffering. A lot of people died, didn't they? And I was like, that's not the way you want to meet your God, he just fucking <laughs> nailed you to the wall. No. You know? So I, then let me tell the funniest <laughs> part of this. That so, has nothing to do with Xander. Xander was standing right there. It doesn't matter. It was the fucking hat. (laughs) Okay. So then, so then we see the show and I'm thinking, you know, like you're sweating and like, oh my God, why do I wear the hat? He hates me. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Then, then, uh, it's totally your idol, too. He's yeah. my biggest. Oh he's my probably God. the one guy that really makes me kind of lose my breath. I lose my breath a little bit around him. So oh. so then, like a week later, I go to the forum, and Guns N' Roses are playing there, and I'm standing in the tunnel when they're walking out, and Axel goes by, and I kind of give a nod to him, and he turns around, and he goes, where did you get that hat? And I go... He goes, Let me, can I wear it? And he, he wore the LAPD hat at the forum. Well, that tells you so that, how, there's the difference. You got Elvis so, Costello over here, and you got Axel way over there. But I, I felt the kinship with Axel. He got the humor of it. <laughs> right. Right? Well, some people, that was probably when Elvis was taking himself oh so fucking no, serious, was, and he was an that, artist. this was on... This was his happy joking period. This is yeah. This is the uh, other side of summer. Then I saw him another time on Blood and Chocolate. Right? No, it must have been earlier than that. But I saw him on Blood and Chocolate, and I was hanging out backstage because John Doe had hosted the night and was spinning the wheel. Okay. You know the when he first introduced the wheel. Is that right? The, right. This right. The spinning wheel. The, song, the songbook. Yeah. Spinning wheel. What, he played five nights. One night he played Blood and Chocolate in its entirety. One night Tom Waits spun the wheel. One night John Doe spun the wheel. One night somebody else spun the wheel, and then he played a regular set of songs another night. So I'm there, and it's like you know I don't know for the for those of you that really care about rock and roll history of rock and roll like Chuck does I'm going to tell you something so the girl who bought a clock on Hollywood Boulevard the day she left she felt sad in the X song Mm -hmm. her name is Farrah Fawcett Minor I don't know her real name I don't know her real name but she's married to Steve Naive from Elvis Costello so then the X scene all the X posse are there and I'm in with the X posse because Xene's boyfriend was the drummer of Thorny's Monster, Peter Haskell. So I'm in the Xene. I'm in their world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so thus, if they're in the Elvis Costello world, I'm in the Elvis yeah. Costello world. Okay. So I'm there the second night, and they're all saying they want their, you know, a bunch of, I'm not going to say, not heroin, but other drugs that people like. And they <laughs> want to go party at the Chateau Marmont or somebody staying there or whatever. And they... Um, and they're kind of including me, so I feel like I'm included. 
Mm. This is great. And then they said, um, somehow I had ended up with a bunch of beer. I don't know why, like five cases of beer at my house. Good for I don't you. Know. And I said, I have a bunch of beer at my house to Peter Haskell. And he said, oh, let's go get it. And then, so I, I told Steve Naive, like, my house is on Fountain and Gardner. It's not far from Chateau. And he goes, okay. So then I jam home waiting for Elvis Costello and the gang and the ex to come to my house to, um, you know, get the beer and then go with them to the party. Steve Naive comes to my house with Farrah Fawcett Minor and Exine. They take the beer and they just leave. And Exine says, thank you so much, Bob. And I was just standing Aww. in my living room. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Aren't I supposed to be going with you? <laughs> and I've always thought Elvis said, don't bring that freaky guy with the glasses. <laughs> Maybe he didn't like the competition. Maybe he didn't like the competition. It might make him feel weird that I try to look like him. Oh, I don't know. Dude, that's funny, you know, because I like Butch Walker, and Butch Walker has a funny story about meeting him too, where he like they're in an elevator, and he pulled up his sleeve and showed him his Elvis Costello tattoo. He got the face from, uh, uh, not this year's model, uh, Miami's. No, not Miami's true. The, where he's it, coming out of it's, the, it's the, where he's like a comedy face? No, it's, a, it's just a big a silhouetted face, but he's got it, Elvis Costello right there this big. And he's the like, songwriter guy, Butch Walker? Yeah, he, he goes, so they're in an elevator. He showed and it he to goes, him? Look, <laughs> and he goes, and Elvis just like looked at me like, what a loser, and took like a step away from him, and he goes, I blew my chance to ever write a song with him that day because I look like a total stalker and a creep. I'm a stalker and a creep, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I fanboy over every, every so once I can't, in a while, but I will no longer blame Xander for my bad relationship <laughs> with Elvis Costello. But there was a moment because I was sitting like in the third row. There was a moment where Elvis Costello saw me. It was obvious to Chrissy, like he's looking at you, and he kind of kept looking at me, and he must have been thinking there's that stalker guy from the 80s <laughs> right so then when i wanted to leave when he was playing all shitty songs i don't want to hear like, like, i didn't want to leave because i can't let my like idol down who hates me that i stalk him he did they he did a great job of closing the show though i thought i know but the monkey the monkey to the man and all those songs come on he, 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 are you kidding me you should have wore the lapd hat <laughs> oh, There's not gras. a man in your family if you didn't show up with an LAPD hat. <laughs> Was it wrong to wear the LAPD hat right after the riots? Oh, who the fuck cares? You were young. I was young. I was. You know what? I was right, thirty-one. I was right. That young. Yeah, but it was a different time. It, it was a different time thirty years ago. People had a sense of humor. People don't they have did. a sense of humor, and that's why I like the Chappelle shit. It, it is. It was upsetting. It was disturbing. But I have a sense of humor, so I could laugh at all of it. Well, you, most of our transgender, uh, transgender brothers and sisters would say you wouldn't be laughing if you were trans. Okay. Oh, my God. That's See? for the next episode. <laughs> and there it is. Let's talk about trans on the next. <laughs> I like, well, he does make, it is a funny kind of uh, place to be in. You know what? It's All funny right. because I go, I go to the, I, I read the Vice articles from Vice Magazine when they come out. Right. And they said nothing to see there that it was just a complete waste of time. And the that Dave Chappelle so, special? Yeah. And I was just like, I thought these guys were liberal. I thought these guys allowed let me, people... Let to... me tell you something about Vice. It's a complete waste of time. It's a hustle by the chain guy. It's a, it's a worthless... Oh, story. now we really oh. gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>